and welcome to episode 63 of Whiskey Talk from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'm Richard Goslin, editor of the Society's Members magazine, Unfiltered. It was a huge pleasure for me recently to catch up with Pip Hills at the vaults in Leith, where he started the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society 40 years ago. The Society is marking that landmark anniversary with Pip's updated and reissued memoir, Maverick, The Founder's Tale, which is being launched this August. I sat down for a dram with Pip and asked him what we could expect from the updated version of his society story. Well, um, as you know, as you know, um, there came a point in the society's history when we ran into trouble and um, I was ejected. It seemed to have fallen into the hands of uh, an unadventurous um, segment of the shareholders and um, it wasn't for me, so I left. I didn't have much choice, they'd have chucked me out. Um, That's not entirely true. They offered me the option of staying, but in an emasculated form and um, didn't appeal. Um, Anyway, uh, when I came, when you, Richard, asked me if I would come back, what? Three or four years ago? Well, 2018, so. Was it really as long as that? It was the 35th anniversary where I thought, why are we not talking to the person who founded the society? Uh, I think, as as I told you, there was a bit of reservation about the reception I might uh, receive if if I did (coughs) track you down. Mm -hmm. No one Mm -hmm. knew where, where you were. No one knew mm. if you were alive or dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it took a bit of uh, tracking down in my yeah. part. But yeah, that was that was for the 35th anniversary. So yeah, we're five years mm. on. Um, yes, well, I have to say that I'm, I was delighted coming back to the society because there was a move underway to make it the sort of fun thing that it had been in its origins. And I'm, I mean, that has been successful. There's no question at all about that. And it's a much more interesting thing than it was in the interregnum. Um, So to the founder's tale, uh, after after I had seen um, how people were approaching the society and how it was being run, um, there were one or two things that I didn't approve of. And one of these was the tendency of both the staff and the members to rewrite the history of things, to make it, because its history is quite complicated and people on the whole don't like complicated histories. This is true of whiskey as as of anything else. And um, I could see that all sorts of myths were growing up and I decided the best thing to do would be if I wrote the story of it from my point of view, um, which resulted in The Founder's Tale, which was published a few, two or three years ago. And people seem to like that. But uh, I think the, the genesis of the whole thing was when you asked me if I would write a piece about what it was like to come back. So what we have is the stories of the beginning of the society with, in addition, 
a chapter about how I felt about coming back. And um, in addition to this chapter about how I felt about coming back, there's a whole lot of photographs. They're not terribly good photographs, but they are at least authentic. They're, I just went around my friends and relatives and said, does anyone have photographs? Because I'm not good at taking photographs, never have been. Um, and um, I assembled what photos I could that I thought were, were remotely relevant to the early history of the society. And um, at the time I had, I had, from early days in the society, I had been interested in how the society emerged from Scottish society generally and from the history of, of Scottish society. And I had written about it in an early book called Scots on Scotch, but um, I had been asked by our local antiquarian society if I would do a talk about such things. So I did the research a bit more thoroughly and I thought it would be a shame to waste this because it is germane. The, the, the whole notion of the icons of Scottishness, and there are three great icons of Scottishness. They are kilt, tartans and whisky. And in each case, the authentic story is more complicated, but much more interesting than the simplistic one that is what most people know. So it seemed appropriate to put that as the last chapter. So what we have is the stories about starting the society, what happened thereafter, and then what it was like coming back to it. Plus some reflections on the history of Scotland and how the Scots, as well as everyone else, has perceived it and what our small place in it was. And Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm curious as to how it feels at this stage to be able to produce this work and you know offer it up to, to, to members as as the kind of as the rounded more more complete version of the story well yes yes it is very pleasing to be allowed to 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 put my version of how things were in the first place under the aegis of the society and um the chapter about coming back to the society i'm afraid the title is plagiarism because i'm i'm plagiarizing john le carre because the only possible title for it had to be coming in from the cold. And this is very much my feeling about things. Having been in, as it were, the whiskey wilderness for 20 odd years to come back to a very welcoming society, um, which treats me terribly well. I mean, it's very nice to have a society consisting of tens of thousands of people around the world uh, who all want to shake my hand and say thank you for starting this and um, to have places like this to come back to and people like yourself um, who are all nice to me. <laughs> well, I, I, I was wondering how that felt because obviously you were out in the cold mm. as, as you've put it in the, in the updated version of the book and I dare say you probably didn't think about the society very much but to, to be welcomed back in and to feel that 
uh, warmth or appreciation from the members. How does that feel? Well, I was very sceptical initially when you made the initial approach, but I have to say you've got a lot to do with it because firstly, you sent me a two-page handwritten letter, which was a very good touch, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure that was calculated on your part, and if it was, it worked beautifully. Well, I can deny it was calculated. <laughs> I, I agree a letter is a nice thing to receive mm -hmm. in this day and age, but basically it was because I couldn't find a phone number for you, and I couldn't find an email address for you. Very good. And the, and the only thing I could find was an actual address. Postal address. And it's not, it's not often I send a letter to anyone, but uh, no, in that well, case I had well, to. I, I was delighted with it. I was delighted with the tone of it. But um, when I did come back, I was still suspicious. I thought maybe you were just a front man and that they were a bunch of shits like they used to be. But no, since I met the management and um, the people who run the society are great as well and they're fun people they, who understand what that's about. And they're not, it's not about social prestige or prestige in commercial circles or anything like that. Although there is plenty of both to be had for those who seek such things. But um, I've been doing a lot of thinking. I've been promising you an article for ages and I've had one gen germinating for a while. And what it's been doing is bringing the attitudes behind the society together with a lot of very modern attitudes. Because there's no doubt that what we did in 1983 fitted the zeitgeist perfectly. That's why it worked. Because people, as soon as they heard about us, thought, that's great, that's something I want to be part of it. And indeed, it was my sister Marion in London who we were talking about it. And she said, she said, yeah, but what you did was you made whiskey cool. Now, she knew about this because her husband, Dick Pountain, wrote a very erudite and interesting book entitled Cool Rules. And I recommend it strongly because it is about the prevalent mostly Western attitude, mostly American, of cool. Think Paul Newman and Robert Redford and so on. But um, I, was, I was struck by the attitude of some of the directors of the limited company, which now runs the society. Particularly, I had lunch with Paul Skipworth. And this, Paul, was he was the guy who rescued the society as far as I know. As far as I can make out, he was the, the man behind. Because remember, by what, 2015, thereabouts, it was in the hands of Glenn Morangi, which was also in, in the hands of Louis Vuitton, and wasn't doing, wasn't being terribly successful. And Paul and some others organized a buyout of people whom I described as benevolent capitalists, and I stick by that. Um, these were good guys who were prepared to put up enough money to keep the company out of the hands of asset strippers who had been circling, looking, eyeing the society's 
stocks of mature whiskey and realizing that those could be sold on the open market for much more profit than they were making through the society. And these guys wanted to buy it and close the society down and flog off the stocks and make big bucks. And it was Paul and his friends who organized that. And that was hugely important. But what struck me about Paul, I had lunch with him a few months ago in Queen Street. And this, Paul, having been made chairman of the new company, decided to step down and be vice chairman and made Adam, Adam chairman. I'm sure it was a, a, a very good decision, but it's uncharacteristic of a certain class of businessmen that they would take a second, a second place like that. And I had been reading, sorry, I'm going, I'm what, oh, rabbiting okay. on, but have I, if I haven't told you about this, I'd been reading an Italian 16th century writer called Baldassare Castiglione who wrote a book called Il Cortigiano. And it was a DIY manual for Renaissance courtiers. And it was hugely successful and hugely influential. It was translated into all the principal European languages. And it was translated into English by Sir John Toby, something like that. Um, whose wife was a close personal friend of Queen Elizabeth. The book caught on hugely. And what it was doing was describing how a Renaissance courtier ought to behave. And he ought to be hugely accomplished and hugely erudite, but would seek to make these things seem effortless things which came to him naturally, not to be trying too hard. He, he, and he had a, a term for it. He called it sprezzatura, which David Dykes, sitting over there in the members' room, told me about you. It was he who, David was a keen member and a great scholar, and he told me about it. He put me onto it. And sprezzatura is, I am convinced, an element in this notion of cool. It's to do with personal autonomy, to do with self-possession, to do, it, it fits the persona of the maverick, but is much more. My sister said, you made whiskey cool. Now, there, it's hard to imagine any industry more uncool in the 1980s than the Scotch whiskey industry. It was run by old men, mainly for old men, who dressed in three-piece suits and were very, very uncool. And we came on the scene and had a whole lot of fun. I think I personally was part of that, swanning about Europe in a, an old Lagonda dressed in jeans. Um, was a cool thing to do. Well, I think the, the sense of fun is central to the founder's tale and your recap of what you might describe as hijinks and, yes. and adventures, which were basically fueled by whiskey. And that, 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 that was from the beginning of the society yes. through 
the other uh, escapades that you recount throughout the book, there was definitely that sense of fun, uh, but, but whiskey fueling the adventures. Yes, yes. And, and they, the whole thing came together in, in the book. And um, one of the things that pleased me so much about coming back to the society was that the society clearly understood this. It is a very cool thing to be a member of. It's aspirational, but it's also democratic. And, and the conjunction of the two is very important. And maybe not fundamentally changed from the, the society that you founded 40 years ago? Oh, I, I, no. And, and one, of the, one of the conflicts that there was in the society from the original, uh, from, from, its, from its origin, was that there were some of us who liked to have fun and who thought it was a fun thing to do. But there were also people hanging about who became, who became directors of the company who were concerned for the social status which it would confer. The sort of people who, who valued the bragging rights that being a director of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society would carry in the golf club. And that was a not cool in my estimation at all. But there are a lot of these guys out there. And There's no sprezzatura to that. <laughs> no sense of sprezzatura about that at all. <laughs> but um, though it was almost very clear that where the market lay was with the coal guys. It wasn't with the old men in the golf clubs. Although the beauty of the society as an organization, as we saw in that old chap who came in just, just a few minutes ago, it appeals to the old members of the golf clubs as well, because let's face it, a lot of people become members of golf clubs in order to get away from their wives. <laughs> and, and the society is capable of welcoming all sorts of people. Including and, the wives. Hmm? Including the wives. Including the wives, exactly. Um, and indeed, there have been some cases in which you can see people getting on better with their wives because they've become members of the society, <laughs> because the wives wake up, wake up to the fact that this old geezer is not as boring as she thought he was. And so marital harmony is promoted by the <laughs> Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. What more can you ask for than that? Indeed. <laughs> Well, we've, we've got a special bottle being released alongside the book. Uh, I should have grabbed a couple of glasses, but let me, let me grab them just now. Okay. And uh, we'll <laughs> have, I just we'll keep on talking? Tasting. Yeah, you can keep talking. I'm just going to grab a couple of glasses. Thank you very much. Got a wee uh, jug of water as well, please, mate? Oh, there's one on the table. Right, shall we just crack this right. open, Pip? Right, let's have a look at this. So we're just calling this distillery one. Distillery number one, yes. Distillery number one, obviously harken back to where it began. Yes. And you know, we've told the story yeah. this year yeah. about your trip up to Aberdeenshire and being able to taste a whiskey, which came from what became distillery number one, the society's first ever bottling. And we're now on to cask number 284 from distillery number one. 
So, come a long way in 40 years. Yes, 284. 284 casks. So, slange to, to you, Pip. Oh, that's good stuff. Maybe not so different from oh, the original cask. That's, no. that's lovely. I need some water. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh. It's as near perfection as it makes little difference. <laughs> yeah, as good as it gets. Wonderful. Classic sherry cask from where it all started. Yeah. And uh, quite nice to see your signature on the bottle <laughs> as well, Pip. So this is out in August. Yes. To, yeah. uh, to coincide with the release of, what the, I of would, the book. What I would say is um, anyone buying this should take, take the tasting notes with a pinch of salt. <laughs> I, I think members already do. Uh, yes, I think everyone does, but um, they are fun. But the notion, I'm... Perhaps you would find out for me if anybody has ever made a Swede nutmeg cake or whether this is a confection um, born of the fertile minds of a tasting committee. Yeah, that's one to find out. That is just, just lovely. That hits the spot. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. It doesn't get better than that at all. I, mean, I, I can remember long ago being asked to describe a society whiskey, and I said, well, we're simply the best distilled liquor in the known universe. And, um, well, this is a large claim. Um, it's a justified Yeah, one, you I stand think. by it. Yeah. It's as good as it gets. Wonderful. Well, Pip will raise a glass mm. to that sentiment and mm. to the founder's tale. Well, I hope everybody enjoys it. It's, it's a joyous sort of book mm. because I left out all the unpleasant bits. Look out for Pip holding some events at our members' rooms around the UK to launch the updated version of Maverick, The Founder's Tale. And we'll also be hosting an online event for those of you further afield when you can hear from Pip and get the chance to ask your own questions. You can also read much more about Maverick, the founder's tale, and Pip's reconnection with the society he founded in the August issue of Unfiltered. If you're not a member already, head to smws.com or your local branches website to find out more. That's it for this episode of Whiskey Talk. Until the next time, cheers. Cheers.